0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever noticed that some things are best hidden in plain sight? At my house, there is a particular person who has trouble finding things. Uh, he looks and looks, but does not find them. And then the most beautiful and wonderful help comes along and finds that lost thing immediately without breaking a sweat. I have kept the names confidential to protect the innocent, of course. Well, believe it or not, There is a bit of an epidemic of not being able to see what's right in front of us, right here among us Lutherans. The thing is, everyone who has gone through catechism class has seen it, and more likely than not has memorized it at one point. What's more is that one of the catechism proofs for this practice is contained in our Gospel reading for today, Which not only comes up every year in our lectionary, but even for the the churches that observe the three year lectionary, they read this on this Sunday every year, too, they finally caught up to us. It is the practice known among us as individual confession and absolution. Here are the pertinent words of Jesus for us to consider. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you, do not, if, if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. With these words, Jesus commissioned the disciples for their work. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This begs the question, why did the Father send Jesus? Well, of course, as we've heard the last few weeks, it was for him to win the forgiveness of sins for all men. As St. John writes in chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is saying here, I was sent by the father to win forgiveness. And now I am sending you to announce that forgiveness to all nations. St. Paul reiterates this later on in 2 Corinthians chapter five, where he writes, therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The apostles and their successors in the pastoral office are these ambassadors of Jesus carrying on their lips the message of forgiveness for all. Now. None of that context that we've just covered falls under that hidden in plain sight designation I mentioned. That's all basic bread and butter butter Christian teaching. What is hidden in plain sight, however, is what we as Lutherans have always historically said about this passage with regards to, as I said, confession and absolution. Our small catechism which is a guidebook of sorts into the Bible, distilling the Bible down to its most important teachings, begins the section on confession and on the office of the keys asking this question. What is confession? And we answer. Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive the absolution from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it, our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. This takes what we heard from Jesus in our gospel reading and matches it up with what I already read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus has sent the apostles And now Jesus sends pastors to be absolution men to announce the forgiveness of sins that Christ won for all people who come confessing their sins. Now, so far, even this isn't news. We do this on Sundays in our preparatory rite before we have the Holy Communion. When I stand up here and I say in the stead, And by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's not my forgiveness that I speak, but it is God's forgiveness that Jesus has won for us, and that he has now given to us through his word. If I fail in that respect, if I fail to be an absolution man, then I have failed as a pastor. The pastor that fails at such a basic and important part of his job should be removed from his office, period, full stop. But the next question the Catechism asks is a little bit more revealing as to what Lutherans mean about this text. The Catechism asks, what sins should we confess? And again, we answer, before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we are not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. Now this commends to us the salutary practice of praying the Lord's Prayer at bare bones minimum, at least once a day. The Catechism wants us to pray it like five times. For there, we pray in the petition, Forgive us our trespasses. And when we pray that, we are praying that the Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray this prayer because He knows what we need, we are praying that He would give us what we need. Namely, the forgiveness of all of our sins. For we sin daily and much, And surely deserve nothing but punishment. But the Father, out of his great mercy toward us, and out of love for his Son, Jesus Christ, has, because of his suffering and death, never failed to give us what we ask for. Has never failed to give us that forgiveness that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. And we ought to give hearty thanks to God for that. But the answer to that catechism question goes on a little bit farther. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts. From that point of the answer, we are invited to examine our lives in light of the Ten Commandments and our Christian vocation, our calling, where God has actually placed us in this life and who he has placed around us in the 1943 catechism it refers to this practice as private confession our current hymnal changes the name to individual confession and it even gives us a formal rite at the beginning of the communion or it even gives us a formal rite that we can use now This does not refer to the preparatory rite that we have right before the communion service. It does not refer to that. And we can demonstrate that from history. The confession and absolution that we have before the communion service is a fairly late addition to our liturgy. We're talking uh, late 1700s. That's when that practice began to show itself. But when Luther wrote these words in 1530... He had an entirely different practice in mind. Additionally, the Augsburg Confession, one of our other confessional documents, answers an accusation from Rome, which they had said of us that we had abolished. We'd gotten rid of individual confession and absolution. But our confessors boldly said at Augsburg, confession in the churches is not abolished among us. In fact, this practice was even enshrined in the very first constitution of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, way back in 1847. Now I invite you to take a look at this rite with me. Uh, You can find it in your hymnal on page 292, if you want to flip there you can, page 292, I got to get there. I should have marked it. Ah. You'll notice there at the top it says individual confession and absolution based on the rite in Luther's small catechism. If you pull out your most recent edition of the catechism, you'll find it there in the fifth chief part between confession and the office of the keys. Now, interestingly, the thing about this rite is that it is the only Liturgy in the whole hymnal that begins with the person rather than with the pastor notice the first words there in black Those are for the penitent person to come and say pastor Please hear my confession in order to pronounce forgiveness or and pronounce forgiveness in order to fulfill God's will These words are beautiful words They remind us of what the pastor is supposed to do. You're saying to the pastor, Pastor, you have promised to do this in your ordination. You promised to do this at your installation. Now you must do it if you're gonna fulfill what God has commanded you to do. Do it right now. Then, after that, there's a general form of confession. This paragraph, we won't read all of it, but it highlights how our sins ultimately come from a failure to keep the first commandment. We covered this in Bible class this morning. Instead of fearing, loving, and trusting in God above all things, we live as if we matter most. This is why we even struggle with loving those who are around us. When our relationship with God is bad, it follows that our relationship with others will also go rotten. That's the big reason, I argue, that the world is so angry right now. They don't know God, so they can't really love in any genuine sense. Then after that is an opportunity to confess those sins which you know and feel in your heart those sins that cause you to doubt God's love for you, those sins that the devil keeps bringing up to tell you that God really can't forgive that thing that you did, those sins where you know how much you've hurt someone and that that person that you love and maybe even destroyed a relationship because of it. Now, fair warning here. I have been personally making use of individual confession and absolution since I was in college, and this is a hard section to do. In this moment, you are bearing your soul and secrets that you never want any other person to hear. You're bearing it before another person. But here's something that you should know about your pastor. I have promised in my ordination and installation vows never to divulge those sins that are confessed to me by another person. I am bound by an oath that I have made to God and to you all when I was installed here in 2015. If I ever did reveal sins that were confessed to me, not only would that destroy any sort of trust that you could have in me as a pastor, but as I said earlier, this would end my career as a pastor. It would destroy my family. And there's a lot riding on that promise that I have made to you. But there's also something else that you should remember about confessing your sins to the pastor. Sure, he's bound by those promises, and there are severe consequences for going back on his word. But your pastor is also there in the stead and by the command of Jesus Christ. His ears are the ears of Jesus. Jesus hears your confession. The pastor's words are not his words. They are Christ's words. The words which absolution give are his who died that we might live. The minister whom Christ has sent is but his humble instrument. So later on in the right, on the top of page 293, when you're asked, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? You are confessing against what your eyes see and what your ears hear. You are clinging to Christ's word. As he has been sent to win forgiveness, so also has he sent your pastor to announce that forgiveness to you. And this, dear saints, is the real benefit of individual confession and absolution. You're the only one who's there. You're the only one confessing your sins. This means that you are the only one who will be there to be absolved. That absolution that's spoken is only for you. The devil can't come along and say, "Well." How do you know that your sins are forgiven? He can't. Because it is on your head that the pastor's hands have been placed. It is to you that the pastor speaks Christ's absolving word. And the, wonderful, the most wonderful thing about that fact is that Jesus sends a pastor to do this. And that pastor, your pastor, is a real human being. He has a real voice. When you confess your sins, you will hear with your very real ears in the stead. And by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord does not answer us from heaven in words that we can hear when we pray the Lord's Prayer. But instead... The pastor's voice speaking Christ's word is a heavenly voice that we can actually hear with our ears And what wonders this word of forgiveness can do. I know that my wife loves me, but it does my soul such great goodness when I actually hear the words from her mouth, Jordan, I love you. And I know that you know that your sins are forgiven before God in heaven. But I tell you what, you dear saints will have such wonderful medicine for your soul to actually hear a voice say to you, your sins are forgiven. As such, in the coming weeks, I'm gonna be setting aside certain times during the week for folks to come to hear the absolution There's not going to be an appointment that's necessary for those times. And if those times don't work for you, I'd be glad to make an appointment for you at another time. Now, that being said, no one is obligated to do this. Just like no one is obligated to receive the Lord's Supper every time we have it at the altar. But based on Christ's command here in our gospel reading, as your pastor, I will. And I must do this for you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, grant us to hear and believe that our sins are forgiven for the sake of your innocent suffering and death. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.